You're listening to Waddle and Sylvie, live from the old National Bank State Street Studio. This is Chicago's home for sports, ESPN Chicago, the new home of the Chicago Bears. WMVP, WSHE, HD2, Chicago. A good karma brand's radio station. and socks in a little bit. We've talked a lot of football. Kevin Warren spoke to Peter King about the stadium issue. We'll revisit that a little bit later. And I want to play you the Nate Davis stuff again because I want to play for Robert Mays. I don't know if he's heard that at all. Um, and uh, But Cubs and Sox do play tonight. Who are these Sox you speak of? They're the team that's like, what are they, 24 under again? You they, watch, they'll come to, up there to the north side and whip your ass. I, I wouldn't be shocked. No, I would. <laughs> I would. I wouldn't be shocked if they win one, though. It, it is baseball. Like, stuff happens. That's true. Um, one of our favorite guys to talk football with is Robert Mays. He does the athletic football show, and he's great at what he does. He's been all around uh, the National Football League. He's visiting camps and everything. Um I saw, I saw th- th- this was a great series of tweets from yesterday as we bring in Mays on the um, Car X Tire and Auto hotline. He wrote this. It was super sweet on Twitter yesterday. Today was my grandmother's 91st birthday. I called her to wish her a happy birthday, and she asked me where I was. I told her I was in Philadelphia heading to Eagles practice. Quote, you're doing what you always wanted to do, she said. She's right, which is pretty cool. Then he added this. She also reminded me that while Justin Fields seems like a, quote, nice young man, she still is insult. Also, that the backup quarterback, especially that Peterman, were awful. <laughs> so I tweeted Mays. I'm like, boy, it would be great to hear from your grandma, but is, we'll, we'll give grandma a break. And we'll oh, just yes, settle for Mays. Yeah. Is, is grandma real or is, is this like a second personality for Robert that he's actually speaking about how he feels about Justin Fields in the band. So are these really grandma's thoughts? Or are you like just uh, creating like grandma's thoughts to just kind of as your alter ego? Those are very much my grandmother's thoughts. She consumes, she watches every Bears game because she has a, I think she still has a bunny ears television. Oh, that's and awesome. she gets every single Chicago paper to her house. Well, that's... So she watches the games on terrestrial television and then reads everything possible about the Bears. So she, the amount of like Bears content she consumes for a 90-year-old woman, who's not from Chicago, by the way. She moved here like 20 years ago. I, I, just, I, I honestly think she has more Bears takes and more Bears thoughts and consumes more Bears content than half of like the millennial and Gen Z people that I know. What is her best Bears take, Robert? I legit think it's that she just like doesn't think Justin Fields has got it. <laughs> So she's going out on the limb to suggest that what she sees isn't good enough and that maybe it won't be enough after this upcoming season. I think that is her belief, yes. And I'm not going to say if she's wrong or right, and it's just not worth going down that road right now. But grandmother has Bears takes. She always does. Every time I talk to her, you know, she's always she's a very sweet lady. And it's always, oh, I'm sure you're busy, and tries, she tries to get yeah. me off the phone. But every time she does beforehand, she's always like, I have a question about the Bears, and she does it in her like very thick East Coast accent, and she's always got like two or three Bears questions, and we talk about the Bears for ninety seconds, and then she's like, "Okay, I'll talk to you soon." 
Every single call. It's like clockwork. She's not on Twitter, is she? Because if she expresses those feelings on Twitter, Bears Nation will eat her alive. She certainly has not. She does not have a Twitter account. And I know that you guys were joking about having her on. The thought of my grandmother trying to figure out how to call into a radio station is horrible. I can't even imagine how that process would go. She's a very sweet woman, but her handle of all things technology. Again, newspapers, terrestrial television. This is what we're talking about here. Have you heard some of our callers? Exactly. Miss? I was going to say, she, would, <laughs> she may be an improvement for sure. Hey, but uh, was she disappointed with the, uh, the, air, the air yardage of uh, Justin Fields' throws? Is that what, what had her down? I'm not sure she's that fluent in, in like, modern football terms, like air yards, but I think that she just has a general sense. And I'm not sure she was overly impressed by what she saw. And I don't know if any of us should be. I think it was a great play by DJ Moore. That was like the end of my thoughts. Well, they're coming for you now, too, yeah, then, if you say yeah, that. Yeah. Be careful. So, we're, so okay, so it, it's interesting. So you, you, I, it sounds like you're really stuck in the middle here. We have to see it. Like, I, I just don't understand how that's like a controversial take. It, everything lines up for him to be better this year. Everything. And that's what they spent this offseason doing. It was the entire point of coming into this offseason with resources and not spending the first overall pick on a quarterback. Like The guy showed really impressive flashes. He has a skill set that you cannot easily replicate. He's got some special, special stuff to him. And now you have to figure out what he is with a better supporting cast and a better situation. Like That's what this season is about. I, I don't understand how that's crazy. Like how, I feel like I'm kind of taking crazy pills. How dare you use common sense, Robert? How dare you? It's we you need him to take a step forward. And I understand that this revisionist history with somebody like Jalen Hurts, where he gets a $50 million contract and everyone thought this was just preordained. The Eagles were trying to replace him. The Eagles were not sold on him. They had two first-round picks in this draft, I think, as a potential pivot point. And then he has a season that he had, and it's all hunky-dory and everyone's thrilled. But it, these moments where you put the right pieces around the guy in order to figure out what you have in the quarterback – We've seen this happen before, and we've seen happy endings to this story. And now we're going to see what happens in the Bears case. And they've actually got the same similar setup, don't they? I mean, look, they've got two first-round picks next year, if God forbid it doesn't go this way or doesn't go well. If, in fact, he plays middle of the road, you could still pick up his fifth year. Like, they've got options. They, they are in a pretty decent spot to, to ride this out this year, aren't they? 100%. I think all you want in the NFL – and from a team-building perspective, is flexibility. Can you pivot even as you make a set of aggressive choices? And the Eagles made a set of very aggressive choices last year. They went and traded for A.J. Brown. They have all these guys that they've signed a second contract. It's a very strong roster, but they still had the opportunity, if necessary, to pivot. And that's exactly what the Bears have. There was an aggressive offseason where they spent free agency. They went and traded for D.J. Moore, but... That's why it was so important to get that second first-round pick in the trade with the Panthers or whoever you traded with because maintaining that flexibility moving forward is hugely important if you're any team and especially one that's still kind of in wait-and-see mode on the quarterback. You know, I, I, I knew what D.J. Moore's numbers were. I, I saw D.J. Moore's highlights. I was actually throwing it out last year earlier uh, that the Bears, before the trade deadline, should think about D.J. Moore. Um, but... I still didn't know that he was this good. And I've gotten to see him a lot in OTAs and minicamp up close. And then sure enough, on the third play from scrimmage, 
all Bears fans got to to see it, Maze. How how good do you think he's going to be in a Bears uniform? He is like a true number one option within a passing game. I don't think he quite rises to the level of some of these other similar trades that we've seen over the last four or five years, whether it be for Stephon Diggs, A.J. Brown, Tyree Kill, Devontae Adams. Those are like true superstar level players. Like I think those are probably four of the best five or six receivers in the league. D.J. Moore is probably one step down from that, but he's the best receiver that the Bears have had in some time. And he absolutely is the number one option within that passing game. And I think the other encouraging part about it is I love when a team has a set of receivers and then they go get that true number one and everything else falls in line because of it. And now because the Bears have D.J. Moore, Chase Claypool can be a kind of like gimmicky is a bad word to use, but you can use him in specific ways that suit his skill set. Darnell Mooney can be that kind of vertical slot player for you now. Maybe that rather than an out, a miscast one the way that he was early last season. So I think it just makes all the other elements of the offense line up when it, you have that number one receiver in the way that DJ Moore is. When you look at this roster now, it, I mean, obviously last year was a total rebuild. Uh, they tore it down. Do you think Ryan Poles at this point, obviously work in progress, but has done a good job early on upgrading the talent across the roster? Yes. I mean, I think that he's done – the process has been very good. The only move that I think you could probably quibble with is the trade for Claypool. And I understand why you do it in the moment. You get a little itchy because the quarterback is showing some flashes. You want to give him some help. You're afraid that the Green Bay is going to make the same move and he's going to land in the division. I think he's a guy that they've been looking at even before last season when they were thinking about adding a piece. So you get a little overzealous. You probably give up too much for him and you're still looking for a number one after you make that trade. So other than that, I think all the other moves they've made kind of fall in line with the timeline. You know, we talked about it. They made the Carolina trade when I was in the studio yeah, with you guys. Yeah, well, like, I was there. That move, getting DJ Moore as part of that move, to me is inspired because it allows you to build for the future while also building for the present. And that was probably the only team where you could get that sort of piece back so the haul they got for that, and then the ways they've added in free agency, and then what they've tried to do in the draft. You know, you trade back, you get more picks, you accrue some shots here because you had a pretty low level of underlying talent on the roster, and you make bets at semi-premium or important positions, whether it be defense, tackle, corner, on these guys with traits, and you see if your defensive-minded head coach can coach them up. So I understand everything that they've done. The offensive line is good enough you know, with the pieces that they've added, even something small last year. They draft Braxton Jones. It's tight in camp. Now we brought Reef in maybe to be the starting left tackle, but it's probably pretty close. Why wouldn't we just let the fifth-round pick play and see what he has? And then you get to the end of the season and you feel like, you know what, let's, let's start him. Well, he can be a starting left tackle in the league. We feel like he's come along that far. And you do that by accruing a bunch of late-round picks in last year's draft. And you sign guys off of waivers. I think that the process overall has been fine. Now it just all has to come together. And that's what this season is about. Robert Mays joining us, NFL insider. It's Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN 1000. It was the only time the day of the DJ Moore trade that I've seen you speechless, by the way. (laughs) 
<laughs> it was a great moment. I mean, it's one of those that you'll always remember where you were and what it was. And I, it was so funny. I mean, because my mind's just going the moment that happens. Like, I got to get home because we, we're going to have to do something about this. Your mind was going a million miles. How am I going to get the podcast going? I got to call <laughs> somebody. I got to get this going. I want to play you uh, the Nate Davis press conference that we edited down. Um, th- he is not, so I don't know how much you know of his history, and you could elaborate of what you know or what you don't know, but after he signed, he didn't practice much at all in OTAs or minicamp, which was a little weird, and then he really hasn't practiced in training camp at all with the Bears. And then um, yesterday it seemed like he was coming back, and he said he's back a few different times, but then when they were looking for explanations of the media, he had weird answers. Waddle was cracking up during this thing, saying he's never heard a press conference quite like it. I want your reaction, and then some of the listeners who have not heard this, they'll get a chance to hear this too. But give me your reaction after you hear the couple minutes here on what you think. This is Bears guard Nate Davis. Obviously been in and out for you throughout the summer, so how would you just you know, explain like your emotions. How are you feeling? What's this summer been like for you? Yeah. You know, obviously uh, it's a little tough on me. Uh, I'd rather be out there, uh, but it is what it is. Um, but yeah, you know, it's not the easiest thing. I think we saw you come back one day and then you were out the next. Did you have a setback? Did you come back too soon? What happened there? Uh, you know, nothing really want to talk about respectfully. Uh, what really matters is that I'm back now and I just want to move forward that way. When you said it's been tough on you, has it been, sort of an obstacle or a hindrance to acclimating and getting into the system? Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. Uh, but like I said, I'm just going to, you know, hold off on those and just say respectfully. I just want to move forward. You know, I'm back now. That's all that really matters. How important will it be for you to get some game action uh, before preseason ends? Or do you think uh, you need it? You know, I'm going to leave that up to the coaches and the uh, train staff. Uh, it's not my call. So that's the question for them. Yeah, you said you're, you're back now, so... Should we expect to see practicing in full, full pads, one, that kind of thing? Yeah, that's a, yeah, I mean, that's up to the coaching staff and uh, the training staff, too. Uh, whatever they want me to do, I'll be there. What's well, your, kind of similar to his question, but what's your expectation for what you'll be able to do in the joint practices? I mean, does it, is it any different because you're going to be going up against another team? Yeah, same thing. It's, it's a question for uh, Coach Flew and, uh, and the uh, training staff. You know, it's really up to them to see, see what goes on. Well, you've been in the league for five years now. Do you, what sense do you have as far as how ready you are for this season at this point? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm ready. Uh, you know, I've been doing this, like you said, for five years. Uh, you know. It's like if the opener was today, you're good to go. You're you're prepared. You're physically ready. That's, that's, that's a question for your training staff and the coaching staff right there. I can't, you know, for what goes on. I can't, you know. Can't right, you're playing how you feel, though. Do you feel... You feel ready for games at this point in mid-August? I'm respectfully. I don't want to talk about that. Um, I got to leave that up to the coaching staff and the training staff. A lot of guys prefer to take a hit, a live hit, before week one goes comes around. They, they just like that first tackle, that first real contact. What's your preference? Uh, my preference is whatever the coaching staff needs me to do. Uh, that's that's what I'm going to do. What do you think about that, Robert? I saw the quotes in print, and, and hearing it doesn't make it sound any better. Uh, I don't know what to make of that. I, I wonder what the conversation was like before he got up there and whether or not they just instructed him to say that whenever they asked about his availability. I have 10,000 more questions about, is he hurt? Is he not? Was he hurt? Is he not? 
So I, I don't feel great about it. I, I guess that's probably my biggest takeaway. It's, it's a confounding two minutes. Great work, by, or great work by our guy Kevin Fishbane, though. Just, just doing excellent journalism. <laughs> it, I mean, I did find it mean to, to you know belittle the situation, especially if there's an injury. But like having heard a thousand press conferences, it did make me giggle a little bit because the message was just <laughs> continued to be to to be absent there. Will it? Will abate some of your fears or your concerns if, in fact, he goes to Indianapolis tomorrow and Thursday and is out there practicing full? Yeah, probably. I, it, with offensive linemen, you just have such a little practice time together in pads. I mean, that month, essentially from how many got acclimation periods, like four or five days, so they really don't put pads on until the first weekend in August. So you really only have like a month. And that's not a long time to get a feel for the guys next to you and to understand timing and you get a sense of, you know, when to come off blocks, all that kind of stuff, what the actual run scheme should look like because you figure out what you're good at. So now you cut that down from two, from a month to two weeks. It's not great. I mean, I think that you have to assume that they're going to have to figure this stuff out into the season because they just haven't had that much time to practice together, which isn't the best possible outcome when you spent the off season trying to remake your offensive line. I mean, he's playing next to two new guys who are also going to be in new positions this year. So there's a lot of moving parts there. Before we let you go, what's the coolest thing you've seen uh, so far uh, this training camp season? <sighs> Man, that's a good question. Uh, you know, it was cool to see Calvin Ridley back playing football again. That that was a random one, but just being down in Jacksonville and watching Trevor Lawrence throw him the ball and, and just what his presence could do for that offense. That was really encouraging. It was interesting to see some of the guys in new places, like having Darren Waller be in essentially the number one receiver role for the Giants and what that offense is going to look like. Some of the ways that the Lions use Jameer Gibbs. So just those guys you've never really gotten to look at or the first time you're getting a chance to see them in their new gigs. That's always the fun part of this year. Seeing Aaron Rodgers in Jets uniform today was wild. I mean, that was just a very surreal, strange experience, but... That's what this couple weeks is for. There's a whole lot of that happening. How, how do you feel about the running backs? Are, do you feel sympathetic? Or are you like, you guys should have negotiated this during the, the labor agreements? It's a tough thing because I think with a lot of the guys that are in the news right now, like those guys get paid. Saquon's going to get paid. Josh Jacobs was a first-round pick. He's going to get paid. Austin Eckler's gotten that second deal. The, the running backs that I feel for are the guys like Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard comes into the league as a sixth-round pick. He gets a ton of work early on when he's young and cheap. He gets chewed up and spit out and never gets a second contract. Philip Lindsay, you know, is a guy who was undrafted and never really got to sniff a second contract. He got used up during that first one. I mean, Saquon's going to make $30 million over the course of his rookie deal. Jordan Howard, Philip Lindsay, those guys are going to make five, you know, maybe that over the course of their entire NFL career. And I think that there could be ways to potentially take care of those guys a little bit better, whether it's how we allocate the performance pay pay bonuses that you get for playing time early in your career. You tweak those to maybe include some production benchmarks that you can hit, just little things like that. But, you know, I think that overall it's just a sign of the time. The position has been devalued, and these guys that want the Christian McCaffrey contract, I think they're negotiating off of a benchmark that no longer exists. Uh, Robert, great stuff. Happy birthday to your grandma. And uh, we look forward to talking to you during the regular season. Thanks, Robert. Sounds good, guys. Talk to you soon. There you go. There's Robert Mays. So did he say he was at Jets camp today? Is that where he was? Yeah. Really cool stuff. Weird to see Aaron Rodgers in a Jets uniform. Yeah, yeah.
Uh, so good stuff from Mays. Weird stuff from the press conference yesterday. It just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I mean. So, like, there's such a better way to play that. Well, and, 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 like, in some ways. But like I said, I'm just going to, you know, hold off on those and just say respectfully. At some point, will he reveal why this has taken him know. some time to get back on the just, field? Just be good this year. Yeah. Like, I'm just waiting for him to be on the field and be good. If That's he's on I the ask. field tomorrow night and then Thursday night down in Indianapolis, that will that will make some of the concern go away, at least for the time being. Can he, can, but, like, if he hasn't been in training camp really all year, can he step on a field against the Colts and be ready? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Respectfully. I don't know if he's ready. I'm respectfully. I don't want to talk about that. He doesn't want to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, I know. I'm going to stand up here. You can ask me questions. I'm going to respectfully dodge all of them. Nothing really want to talk about respectfully. Or answer that the training staff and coach flew. I'm not respectfully going to. I'm going to disrespectfully uh, fail to answer any of that. Uh, coming up next, uh, Cap uh, dropped an interesting nugget today. Regarding uh, in this chair, where does he sit? I is don't he, know. Does Cap sit here? Or does Cap I sit there? Cap when we're sits up here, here, I think is Cap there. Yeah. When what's with this makeup light? By the way, today in here. Oh, that's the television. You get used to it, buddy. As you step into the world they, of of you yeah. know big big broadcasting, we're not doing big that's, broadcasts. That's, that's what the uh, that's, oh, the Bears Radio Network for the yeah. post and the post post. That's you your need... sweet ass. That's what they use. That's where when when you see Adam Schefter doing his hits, does he on have one of those glowing lights from in front of his bookcase? Of course, it's right next to the camera. There's been a couple of times it's a round glowing light. Where, Looks like a halo for you? Well, no, where Meller's face has been right in the middle oh, of that, it. That's like a bullseye. Going, that's a target. No, no, that's just... <laughs> that's a target. It's an Jeff. actual halo above my head. No, that's it's a not, target. Yeah, just... because a halo would actually be horizontal. That one is vertical, which means it's, it's a, a bullseye. It's a bullseye. Or it looks like his head in the toilet. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right, coming up next, a Cap dropped an interesting nugget about what people... I, I want to hear this again because I want to see if I heard this correctly about Otani and the Cubs. And I want to hear what you guys think about this. Cubs and Sox tonight. We're going to check in with uh, Jesse as well. We're about 15 minutes away from more of uh, Football Fest tickets as well. Uh, if you want to weigh in, 332-3776. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitch at ESPN 1000 Chicago. Waddle and Sylvie are back. On Chicago's home for sports, ESPN Chicago. I want to play you something from Cap here in a moment. Let me take uh, a call here. 312-332-3776. Talk some Cubs and Sox. I got both lineups, too, to pass along to everybody. Why don't you make a bet with Jimmy? Uh, Jimmy, I think, has uh, flipped. Um, he's now a Cubs fan? I think he's a Cubs fan now. I don't think he's a Sox fan I would anymore. never expected that out of him. Jimmy on the north side, you're now a Cubs fan, aren't you? Of course not, Sylvie. I'm a Cubs fan like Braxton's a Cubs fan right now. We're just kind of riding well, the wave, right? Braxton is a Cubs fan right now. He's also okay. seven, Jimmy. Yes. How old are you? Uh, that's none of your business, Tom. <laughs> You're what, about, what, 35? Well, how old are you? 37. 37. 37. Okay. Um, yeah, well, hey, hey, Sylvie, are you guys going to be doing the post game as well for the Bears? No. Well, uh, Peggy and Yurko do the network post game show. 
Okay, okay, yeah, because, uh, you know, I, I grew up with Buffon and Obradovich. I know how to throw a rant together after a Bears game like you wouldn't believe. Well, you're, you're like you got Yurko and Peggy, like those two can put here's, one together as well. Here's hoping you don't need to rant about anything, Jimmy. Be uh, positive as you usually are. And you're exactly right, Tom, and I am uh, Sutcliffe all in on this team. Let me tell you that right now. Hey, Sut may be right. Well, I'm talking about the Bears, but Sut may be right about the Cubs, but I, I uh, listen like Fields, is, he's a mismatch on the rest of the field, and I think that kind of showed itself. That's about it. But I want to talk about the stadium real quick. Um, you know, that uh, Wilbon's take on the stadium is his unequivocally his worst take. Even Joe Gibbs wouldn't agree with that one. <laughs> and, <laughs> That's such a good reference. Um, but if you think, I mean, everyone's, uh, Kevin Warren, um, not a source, but someone I've socially engaged with who knows stuff about the Big Ten, has actually referred to him some capacity as lightweight. And I'm a little concerned. Be, it, I agree. I've loved everything you said. But the Bears spent $275 million, Is that right? On I think it was, it was, no, it was 190 I think. It was 187 190 something like that, I thought. Right, right. I mean, they're going to take a massive uh, loss on that bad boy if they think they're going to go back to the, uh, the uh, lakefront. But by the time this thing's built, they will not own, the, the McCaskies won't own the team. So there will be a new owner. At some point, and I'm just hoping it's somebody who's got some deep pockets so that we don't have to worry about the teachers' union in Arlington Heights. But, um, yeah, the, yeah, that's the caveat and the nuance. I, I just I, I think the Arlington Heights, is it's already in process. I don't want to wait till my kid's in college to go to a Bears game where I can piss at halftime and get back by the start of the third quarter. <laughs> Jimmy, thanks. Hey Jimmy, a, I think the White Sox there. have worn him out. I really do. Yeah. I think his White Sox have hurt him. And the reason why we were talking about the stadium today is Kevin Warren was on with Peter King, our buddy who we saw last week. He must have. Do you think he taped that interview when he was at Hallis Hall? Probably, and it was. Yeah. Um, and Kevin Warren said that um, they are in the process of deciding this, and it's a twelve. He thinks he would hope to have an answer in twelve months. And and the reason why I'm not frustrated with that is because the one thing Kevin Warren said is. This is a decision that they got to live with for 50 years. And, like, I I gave history of two stadium decisions that bit Chicago in in, in the backside. And that was the new Soldier Field when they rushed into it just because they wanted something done. and, And here we are with a bad stadium. And 20 years later, they're looking to move. and And New Comiskey Park. And they were threatening to move to Tampa and they just wanted something new built and they had to lop off the the top eight rows of what is now guaranteed rate and really renovate that to make it more fan friendly. That was not a well done ballpark when it was first built. And there were many things that were not done correctly. And I want the new bear stadium to be done correctly. You know, Jimmy said, I believe he said it was his friend with, with big 10 ties called Kevin Warren a lightweight. That was what Jimmy said. I guess his friend was, I like, I don't know enough about what Kevin did in the big 10 top to bottom. I know that the contract for the television rights, I mean, every team is getting 80 to a hundred million dollars for the foreseeable future. So everyone got wealthy or wealthier, under his watch, but that's neither here nor there. 
What I do know is he was in charge of the stadium build in Minnesota, yes. and that got done, and that is a beautiful facility based on what other people have said. I've not been there myself, but I haven't heard one critical kind of uh, recap or review of that stadium. So He was also with the Rams when the Rams won the Super yeah. Bowl. Not that he was in charge of personnel or anything, but he was still in an NFL front office so when, when that happened. So when we're talking about he being the point guard for the new stadium project, I'm totally at ease. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Let, let's go to baseball. So this this is I heard I was listening to Cap and Hoodie as they do every morning, seven to ten here on ESPN one thousand. And Cap said this this morning as they had Jesse Rogers on. Jesse, I've been kidding with Hoodie for the last, you know, three months, four months. Let's go get Otani. But the more I've called around the league and the more I've asked people in the game who I really, really respect, a lot of guys have said to me, dude. Resign Bellinger, figure out another starter, whether that is Stroman going forward or someone else, and don't spend $600 million on one guy. You're but, not spending $600 on one guy. You're spending $600 on two guys. $600 million. $600 yeah, million. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I wish o- $600. Otani's o- 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 leading the major league, all of Major League Baseball with, what, 41 home runs, 42 home runs, and he is an ace of the staff. Right. The, the problem is, is, is if you blow out an ACL, then you can't. You lose two guys like that. You know what I mean? Like if you do, there are some things where if he would get hurt, he could probably still do. Like he could, like if he had Tommy John surgery the one year and he still was a hitter. Hit, yeah, you could still, like you could still hit. Probably. Um, I think my, the sponsors, sponsorship money is still probably coming in too, even if he's on the shelf. My my visceral reaction to that is is no, is 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 that this is one of the most dynamic, magical superstar players the game has ever seen, and you don't ever turn your back for three or two players on a guy like this when a guy. Like a Babe Ruth comes walking through the door, or a Michael Jordan comes walking through the door, you don't instead say, "I'll take three Mitch Richmonds." Right? You know what I mean? Like you don't I just say, wrote... "I'll take three very good players." Yeah. When Tom Brady comes calling or Patrick Mahomes comes calling, you don't say, "I'll take three." Le- I, I I know. I I understand the. This is a once. In a century type of player, not once a decade, not once in a generation. This is a once in a century type player. And we may never see, like, while there may be other guys who will do what he does, I don't think we'll ever see a guy who is as dominant of a hitter and as dominant of a pitcher all at once at one time. And when you have the pocketbooks that the Cubs have, you don't walk away from that. You just don't. And and just like something could happen to Otani, and I love Belly. I love watching Belly. Bellinger was bad for three years. Bellinger could go bad again. Things could happen. Pitching goes bad. Hayward went bad. You Darvish was bad for a year and a half after you signed you Darvish. You take the known mega, mega superstar, and you say, 
we have been gifted this un like he is he checks every box he will sell you tickets he will bring you sponsorship money he will win you games he will hit you home runs he could set the all-time home mike kruko just said who watched barry bonds set the all-time home run record in a giants uniform kruko was a once a cubs pitcher pitched for the giants as well he does the giants games he said on a giants broadcast when they were taking on the angels he said he believes Otani will break that record. Can you imagine if he breaks that record in a Cubs uniform? What what that would do? Yeah, I I, I wrote down. It's funny you were you went it with the other comparison. I wrote down. You know, look, you you don't fail to bid on Michael Jordan just so you can settle for Brad Doherty and Isaiah Thomas. Right. You bid on Michael Jordan. Yes. Like is. he is a Michael Jordan type of of player. And if you're a big market team the way the Cubs are, I, I, I disagree. And look, I, I get it. I'm, I'm spending the Cubs money. But I say you, you, you're in the market for both. You are. I mean, again, because of Otani's contract will subsidize a portion of itself. So I wouldn't I'd focus on both of them and, you know, try to blow it out. That's what I would do. And if yeah. you had to move a couple of guys, you know, afterwards who make some money. That's to the, make, I, then I do that. So, so this this is the second part of that. And if you want to weigh in, would you? Look, so here's a would you rather? We've moved that to Thursday now. But like, would you rather sign three really really good free agents or be in the bidding for Otani? And then last week I asked the guys this question: What if you know Bellinger wants to be here, and you know you can sign him? But that would take you out of the Otani sweepstakes because it's going to take longer. Would you sign Bellinger on the spot in free agency? Or are you not doing any moves? And as, let's say Otani is considering your offer. But he's, he's just not ready to decide yet. Do you not wait to do any moves until Otani signs? And that's where Waddle comes in with that. And he can sell you on this coming up. And is this a fantasy that Waddle wants to pitch you? 312-332-3776. Anything on the Cubs and Sox you want to weigh in on? I got the lineups. I'll give that to you coming up. 332-3776. Listen to us now, live on the ESPN Chicago app. Listen to the show in HD at 100.3 HD2 FM. Listen now on ESPN 1000. This is Waddle and Sylvie, ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. A couple of tweets I want to read on this, and then you can share your pitch to everyone on Otani. Colin uh, Boyce, who uh, tweets the show often, I saw a picture of him and his family at the concerts over the weekend. I think it was the Springsteen show, not the Pink show. My wife went to the pink show, by the way. How was it? She Did you see her fly through the air? Yes, she's uh, very acrobatic. Has been for years. What a cool shot that was, too, over Wrigley Field, especially. It was amazing. Uh, Colin said, uh, wake up and smell the coffee. Shohei is not coming to the lovable losers. He's going to the Mariners, Angels, or Dodgers on the West Coast. Ricketts has learned it's easier to invest in a good time at the park then win like Wrigley or the Trib realized at 
T. Waddle, 87. Make him say no. Yeah, well, he's saying that uh, that Ricketts won't say yes to that type of money. Well, I that think he, he should. I, I think I, it's I, a mistake on the Ricketts' behalf if, in fact, that's what plays out. Make Otani say no to you. I get it. Everyone's projecting that he will stay on the West Coast. Totally get it. Now pitch, Make him say no. Now pitch your idea. Well, you, you're in the market for both guys, Bellinger and Otani. I've said it for you know days because Otani will, again, his contract will be subsidized with revenue streams that you won't get with other free agents. So instead of giving him $50 million a year, which you will ultimately give him $50 million a year, you're going to get significantly more revenue into your your purse, you know, your 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 uh, your purse strings or in in your pocketbook because he's part of your roster. So he'll pay for himself to a certain degree. I would I would think they'd be in the market for both. And if you get lucky enough and you got to shed some salary, there's a couple guys on your team you could probably park company with. So you like you like we were we were workshopping this like. Well, does Ian Happ have a no trade clause now? He may. Like I yeah. think part of the reason why he took that three year, sixty million dollar deal was he was given a no. I, I believe a no trade clause. Like, uh, could you trade Saya? Would anyone trade for Saya? Don't know, but I'd, I'd like look. I I would be in the market for both. Um, Bellinger and him is it a, is it a moonshot? Yeah, it is. That's but. a moonshot. Like to me. I would be thrilled if you got one. I would be over the top if you got Shohei. Listen, like, I would be I would be crazy, crazy thrilled if you got Shohei. Bellinger closes the deal and finishes the 2023 season the way that it has gone so far. I'd have no problem signing him and still being, and again, it's not my money, and still being in the Shohei conversation. I, yeah, I wouldn't forego signing Bellinger just because I'm saving my money just in case Shohei decides to sign with me. If Bellinger's willing to sign before Otani gets a deal done, yeah. I don't think I'd be really disappointed if Tom Rickett said it can't be both. Yeah, that, well, that, I'm with you. That's what I'm asking. So, okay, at the end of the season, uh, Bellinger says to you, because, you know, you've got that time before you hit free agency. Here it is. It's it's. 220. I want 220 over seven years. Okay. I love it here. Uh, I'm not going to hit the market. I'm not going to. This is this is fair. I'm going to make over 30 million a dollar. 30 million dollars. I could play first. I could play center for you. Uh, I hit 320 for you. And we're sure he's fixed. You know, it was all injury related. He was a great Everything's guy good. in the clubhouse. He was a great guy on the field. Sign him. He's 28 years old. Sign him. Sign him. Yes. And then and then you think you're in it for Otani then? What if, like, I mean, make him say no? What, what, like, what if then the owner, where Colin says, what if the owner says, look, Chad, you don't have the money for Otani then? Would the the two thirty, the two twenty, takes you out of the Otani sweeps sweepstakes? We can't give two players eighty million combined per season for the next almost I- decade. If 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 Ricketts is giving Jed Hoyer that ultimatum, or, Jed Jed Hoyer needs to be better at his job and show Ricketts, hey man, why you don't understand how lucrative as yes. we're launching the marquee straight to consumer yeah. app. This guy, like we Bellinger, helps us sell the Cubs to Otani, and now if we can have Bellinger and Otani, it should it should not, not eighty million be a year. Old. It's not eighty million a year. 
it's 55 million a year because I'm getting an extra 25 million that I wasn't going to get because Otani's in a Cubs uniform. So I'm selling you that instead of 80 million a year, it's 55. Extra 25 million that you weren't carrying, you, you weren't expecting. Maybe look, more. I, look, I am sold. But if you like, if you gave me the odds on the Cubs landing Otani and Bellinger in the offseason, I would tell you that's at like 1%, 0.5%. So you're telling me there's a chance. I think the Cubs have a better chance to win the World Series this year than they do at getting Bellinger and Otani in the offseason. I'm trying to think what your, what your attendance would be. Not just your, you know, the enhanced the- value of your revenue stream with Marquee. And all the other different things that Otani would open the doors I, to. I, I think they would come close to selling out the season before the season began. Yeah. If they would get Otani. Being the power of the Cubs, coming off a already promising end of the year, and signing Shohei Otani. And what have we, you know, like conservatively, what is break even for a game at, at, at Wrigley? 20,000 fans? Isn't that kind of the number that's been floated? Yeah, I think Crane gave you that, like, sort of as So, so you're, you're talking, if you could sell 40,000 tickets per game for 82 games, you're making how much in profit? You, this is, too, where you think bigger. Guess what? The idea of WGN being the superstation that goes across the country and across the world. That, but that that that's what makes you as an entity as the Cubs like across, it goes across America. That's what your new app yes. should be doing. That's where you should be thinking. Marketed overseas. We no longer are, have are you the allowed reach. to. Are you allowed to? I, but, but here's the we'll thing. Check it out. You know what's going to happen is you're going to have revenue streams in Japan in oh, that course, market course. that you wouldn't have if you, if you don't oh. sign Shohei Otani. And again. That's where you need to think we're not in the 70s and 80s anymore. Sell the exclusive rights to Cubs baseball to a cable company in Japan. I'm just spitballing here. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm just telling you that it doesn't need to be whatever it no. is. We're just we're going to find let's, ways to subsidize that contract. All right. Let's continue the conversation. Let's take your calls on this. Is is are they on to something or is this a complete fantasy that Waddle and Meller are pitching me? Three one two three three two three seven seven six. I'll eat it up by the spoonful. But is this something that is is legitimate that Tom Ricketts would do? Three three two three seven seven six. Cubs and Sox tonight. We'll talk about that. Give you the lineups coming up as well. And Jesse from the ballpark.